The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one, welcome all. It is the Monday following week 16 in the NFL. We are Monday Football Monday. He is Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride. He is Michael Kist from SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, every nation in the world, a citizen of the world. I am RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. We are the best show that the SB Nation NFL show offers. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcasts. That's Apple devices, Spotify, all over the place. Leave a rating, write a review. We really appreciate those things. We have had a a lot of fun in our inaugural season here on Monday Football Monday. There are 17 games left. Week 17 is upon us, but before we get to it, we have to wrap up week 16. Boys, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys had a fantastic celebration with whoever you were with. Hope you ate a lot. Hope you got what you wanted. Maybe it was a Kansas City Chiefs win. Maybe it was a Dallas Cowboys win. Michael Kist will, of course, touch on everything. This was a bit of a different week. Um, lots of storylines to get into. Six of the eight divisions in the NFL locked up. Up. We had a Friday game, we had three Saturday games, and we had a very good time, I would venture to guess. Pete Sweeney, how are you doing, sir? I am well. Happy holidays to everybody out there. This is an exciting time. We're going to identify the playoff teams and playoff matchups pretty soon here. So this, to me, is the best time of the NFL season. One of those teams, the Chicago Bears, certainly uh, making some interesting noise. We'll get to them ourselves. And we'll also hear from Robert Schmitz of Windy City Gridiron. He will talk to Michael Kiss, the beautiful baritone stylings of Miguel. Michael, how was your Christmas? Uh, pretty terrible since the league decided to <laughs> gift the Eagles with a primetime game that may feature Taylor Hineke who I only know from NCAA 14 with my old Dominion uh, franchise career mode, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, stop flexing NFC East games, NFL, please, for the love of God. Nobody needs to see the mess that is going on in Philadelphia. Right I now. personally can't wait to watch that game. I'm glad <laughs> it's on primetime. I love when there's something on the line, and I think that's what the Week 17 primetime game is about. If Washington wins, they're in. I hope, obviously, to see Alex Smith. I'm sure we're going to get into more of that, RJ. And you guys are right, uh, kind of you know, spoiling the lead a little bit, so shout out to both of you. The Washington <laughs> football team and Philadelphia Eagles have indeed been flexed to Week 17's primetime slot. I don't know if anybody knew this. Um, actually, I think some just a housekeeping note before we get started. I had some, some questions over at BTB about this. The NFL schedules only divisional games in Week 17, so as to ensure the highest level of drama. What's more is they, when the schedule 
schedule first comes out, every week 17 game is at noon. They save the scheduling details until week 17's action is mostly done. These details came out during Sunday Night Football last night. They put the games that have the most action in the afternoon window and, to your point, Pete, the most consequential game on Sunday Night Football. We got three years of NFC East action from 2011 to 13 when the Cowboys lost win and in games against literally every single one of their divisional rivals. But the Cowboys are on top. We can get to them in a little bit. Let's start first with the Pittsburgh Steelers, who got off the schneid. It looked really bad for the Steelers, having lost three in a row. There was no dancing. Everybody was scared. Phillip Rivers was looking like he was finally going to get the Indianapolis Colts to 11 wins, which would have been fantastic given the results of Sunday Night Football. But Pete, that was not the case. The Pittsburgh Steelers are back. They are AFC North champions. They have 12 wins, and uh, they're feeling good about themselves. Right. And of the Monday Football Monday crew, I was the only person to pick the Steelers, of course, in that game. And that's because I still felt like they were a solid football team. They just needed the right locker room talk. They just needed the right oomph to get them back in the mix. Apparently, there was a players only meeting leading up to this game, and they needed it because they actually went down 24-7 and had to rally back. But if there's anyone you could rally back against, Philip Rivers is, is probably a, a good bet. I thought... Big Ben, when he had a little bit of time in this game, looked better on the deep passes than I've seen in a while. Deontay Johnson is actually catching them again, which is a good sign. Now, do I think the Pittsburgh Steelers win the AFC? I don't, but I think good for them to get their mojo back because this will make for a more entertaining postseason. I had a message in my chat channel that we use at work uh, from a great pal of mine um, as this game began. It reads, Steelers through three straight slants or incompletions, their first drive, holy hell, they're cooked. That did not age well. It did not come from me. That came, uh, that did come in the Monday Football Monday group chat. It was not from me. It was not from Pete. So process of elimination. Apparently, there was a halftime speech by Ben Roethlisberger. He said it looked like they weren't having fun anymore. F F you friends. We do stuff together in you is for you and me kissed. Um, were you impressed or is this just this is just the Colts Coltson? Yeah, I mean, it felt like the Colts charging with Philip Rivers because it was a <laughs> totally different game in the second half. Uh, three touchdowns in 10 minutes for the Steelers to take the lead. The Colts defense. And look, I really like their defensive coordinator, coordinator Matt Eberflus, but they stopped taking away the quick stuff and started playing off, and I just don't understand that given the limitations that the Steelers have shown. And and to the Steelers' credit, they finally started hitting some shots. How consistent will that be? Will that carry over to the next week? I have no idea because Ben still looks uh, pretty washed to me. My good buddy Bryce Rossler of Sports Info Solutions called this the Life Alert Fossil Bowl. And uh, I would I would tend to agree with him on that. And I mean, after building that 21-7 to lead, the Colts had drives of punt, field goal, punt, 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 interception, turnover on downs, just went completely dormant. And the the issues with the Steelers aren't the defense. They just can't waver on defense or it looks ugly for the Steelers. I'm not fooled by one good half for their offense. I'm still terrified of this team. They still need to blow it up in the offseason. I don't think they're legitimate competitors in the playoffs. So I think this is a a one half of a, a really bad false signal, in my opinion. Shout out to Eli Manning, who knew when to call it quits. This is the battle of that draft and Eli's watching from home drinking probably a nice pop meanwhile Roethlisberger and Rivers continue to struggle this was a really costly loss 
for the Indianapolis Colts, especially given the lead that they had that we mentioned. Had the Steelers, excuse me, had the Colts won, they would be sitting here at 11-4 and four with one game to go. The Tennessee Titans would go on to lose on Sunday Night Football, so the Colts would have the inside track for the AFC South. What's more is that the Cleveland Browns lost, which made the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously a little bit more happy, but the win on its own for the Steelers won them the AFC North. For a while, it looked like we were going to get Pittsburgh-Cleveland in this week's 17 Sunday Night Football game. If Pittsburgh Pittsburgh had lost and Cleveland had beaten the New York Jets. Uh, but so right now, as it stands, as week 16 comes to a close, the Indianapolis Colts are the eighth seed in the AFC on the outside looking in, uh, which is certainly not where you want to be. That's I mean, this I, I don't it, it's hard to call it a choke job because they've been so good all year long. And I don't think there's any shame in losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially um, kind of rallying around a particular cause. I do want to ask y'all, I mean, the, the, the Cleveland Browns got COVID-19 in, in a way that we've only really seen happen to a handful of teams so far this season. Um, obviously, the Denver Broncos come to mind, losing all of their wide receivers. Kiss, there are some takes floating around about Baker Mayfield. I saw a Houston Texans fan account on Twitter say, Deshaun Watson lost all his wide receivers and he still looks really good. Baker Mayfield <laughs> loses all his receivers and loses to the Jets. I mean, the Browns were missing four wide receivers they were throwing to guys like jamarcus bradley do you know who that is i do not <laughs> they were also missing two of their offensive linemen their rookie tackle jerick wills and wyatt teller who i've talked about a ton on this feed as being the best guard in football in 2020 so i, I just the the constant roller coaster takes on baker mayfield have been driving me crazy i think we know what he is he's not a quarterback that's going to thrive in this situation that's totally fine. Do you want to lose to the Jets? Absolutely not. But they, right. there, there was nothing going on for them in this game. And what was Baker supposed to do? Like, I, right. I, I don't get what you really expect from him in this game. Their defense was missing people, too, and they were giving up points. They were missing both their middle linebackers, both their you know quarterbacks of the defense, whatever, whatever you want to call them. So I, I, I don't care about the takes in this one. I think Baker is a perfectly average quarterback that can look great or look bad, depending on the situation, which makes him like over 50% of the starters in the NFL right now. Yeah, I don't have a, a lot of takes in this game, but <laughs> what I have is unfortunately an award. And I know the people get up and they love to cheer and celebrate the come up of the week. This is something that people follow really closely each week and it usually goes to what we would say in wrestling and I have the wrestling background kiss to face a hero but this week we have to give it to a heel and the come up of the week is Adam Gase and while I don't think that this man wow. is going to have another head coaching opportunity I think he's duping the rest of the NFL to give him another offensive coordinator opportunity I think that this guy is going to have a job somewhere next year it's not going to be with New York but I think he's in the league maybe and even if it's not offensive coordinator maybe it's this offensive assistant type of thing where he's going to stay alive and so I'm not happy about it, but congratulations to Adam Gase. I think at the very least, uh, maybe he'll link up with his old buddy Peyton and get like a, an EP credit on Peyton's place this season three or something, because uh, that's that's been the dude that's floated him all along. Uh, there are eight teams in the AFC with 10 wins as it currently stands. Uh, one of them is going to miss out on the playoffs. One of them is now number one. The Kansas City Chiefs outlasted the Atlanta Falcons playing down to competition 
competition once again with the Kansas City Chiefs, 14-1, and one, number one seed, getting a bye for the thousandth year in a row. Pete Sweeney, are your concerns about the Kansas City Chiefs still where they were? Are they a little bit more elongated, especially now that you're entering Week 17, a meaningless game, and then the bye, you have that dreaded two-week lull before the next game that really matters? Yeah, I guess it's time for this week's version of a broken record of me similar saying a similar thing. The Kansas City Chiefs are a walking conundrum. They won to close the year seven one-possession games in a row. If they had dropped one of these to like the Panthers or this week against the Falcons or uh, against the Broncos, people would be calling the AFC right now wide open, but they shouldn't because... Again, you mentioned the bye week. Here's how this is going to go. Andy Reid won't play the starters again until January 16th. That's what he's done for the last two decades of being a head coach. So for the next two weeks, the storyline, whenever you talk about the Chiefs on these shows like First Take and whatever, or Kansas City's vulnerability. Then, after having three weeks off their feet, which is a huge advantage and yeah. probably shouldn't be an advantage. That's a whole other story. But... They'll run over the divisional round team because they're going to be prepared with Andy Reid's bi-week preparation. Pray for whoever that is because they'll get no break and then they have to face Andy Reid. Then it'll be down to four teams and everyone will be back on the Chiefs bandwagon ready for the repeat try. And I don't know if we'll ever talk about this 7-1 possession stuff again because no team was able to uh, go and beat the Chiefs. I think you look back last year and even in the playoff games, this was a team who three games in a row, they had a bye last year, so three games in a row, went down by 10 points and managed to win. So maybe this is just their MO. This is their signature. They like to play to the competition and barely win and figure out a way to, to get back to the dance. I think what was interesting about yesterday, because this matters to NFL fans a lot, not so much to me, but I think it is worth talking about, MVP race-wise, Mahomes needed to play well on Sunday because I don't think he's going to get another opportunity. And he did not. That might have been the worst game of his career, one of the worst games. Aaron Rodgers went and did. And I think the MVP will go to Rodgers because he'll have the extra game now next week where the Packers have to play. So the stats are only going to get padded. The disparity in the numbers is overwhelming right now. Rodgers is 44 and 5. Now Mahomes have 38 and 6. You expect another two or three next week. So you're looking at a 46 to 38 touchdown. So I think Aaron Rodgers won the MVP yesterday in part due to Mahomes' poor, poor performance. Kissed, I know this is more of a cheat sheet topic, and by the way, Michael Kiss now on the cheat sheet. Look at you, busy man, never sleep. <laughs> Kansas City is now seven and eight against the spread this season. Um, we have talked a lot, and I, I don't think any of us are off this take about how it's the Chiefs, and then there's a gap, and then there's everybody else. Uh, but that is alarming, and it, it doesn't it doesn't say a lot, but but it is a, a relevant data point to say they are seven and eight, and we're talking about a quarterback that everybody agrees and acknowledges is operating at a different level than everybody else. So how can how can you be and, and a head coach that to Pete's point is always very well prepared? So how can you be seven and eight against the spread? And and that maybe that's the spread's fault, but that that says a lot about Kansas City kind of just you know relaxing too much. By the way, that's eight wins without covering for the Chiefs. I mean, that hasn't happened since 1986 <laughs> when the Chicago Bears lost in the uh, divisional playoff round. Yeah, it's concerning. I mean, you don't want to win a game against a bad Falcons team because of a late dropped interception by A.J. Terrell in the end zone. By the way, mm. according to the analytics, you lose games 110% of the time. 
when you drop an interception on the final defensive drive. But then also, not only that, you also need to depend on the most accurate kicker in the NFL in 2020, Mm. just shanking one. Just divine intervention, like a magnetic force field between the Falcons and winning. So, yeah, like it is concerning for the Chiefs to Chiefs to, but to Pete's point, yeah, it's kind of what they do. It's kind of their MO, it's kind of their style. I don't expect that to continue all through the playoffs. I think they are going to blow some teams out. But at the same time, if they keep doing that, variance is going to hit them. A wrong bounce of the ball is Mm -hmm. going to happen at some point. They can't keep playing with fire. However, I still think they win the Super Bowl. I still think it's the Chiefs and everybody else. I still think they're the most talented team in the NFL. I I don't disagree with any of it. Yeah. Really really quickly, I've seen some takes out there, and one of them was Jeremy Fowler of ESPN on Twitter yesterday. He's like, the Chiefs just seem bored. And I don't know if that could possibly be true, but there is certainly this feeling of, well, now we're turning it on. And the offense plays a lot better when they have to. So you just wish, I think, if you're a Chiefs fan, that they would have that energy at the beginning of games because they shouldn't be in a game with the Atlanta Falcons as as much as we want to bring up different stats and the the Falcons getting up for the Super Bowl champs. They shouldn't be in that game. I I think they turn it up for the playoffs. And I actually want want your opinion on this because, Pete, you mentioned the long layoff, and this is like always a, a, a topic around playoff time. Resting players. Having yeah. that big of a rest. Some people see it as a negative. I don't necessarily get that. Like when you look at teams in the regular season and you got a guy that's maybe banged up, right? He takes a week off and then he has the buy and he comes back healthy and he's fresh and they have time to game plan. Like, isn't that like a positive? Like, then you're just going to go cold after a couple of weeks. I think there's a huge, huge advantage that nobody else is going to have in the AFC. It is an unbelievable advantage, really, for both conferences. And I'll, I'll paint a picture like this. You had a moment in. The Falcons game on Sunday where Travis Kelsey got up limping. And, you know, this is obviously one of the best offensive players in the entire league. And he limps off, forces himself back in the game, limping. He's able to continue and play the game. He's banged up. I mean, I don't know what exactly the issue was. Looked like an ankle or knee, whatever. But now what he gets today is December 28th. We're chatting on December 28th. The next time the Chiefs could play Kelsey where it matters is January 16th. So you're going to be getting guys. You're not only facing a really hard Chiefs team, you're the only team in the AFC that's basically going to be like near 100% of health. I mean, we cover the league. How often are guys like the only time you're 100% as a training camp? You're going to be able to get close to that with three weeks (laughs) off your feet. The Green Bay Packers um, sitting in just about the same position as the Kansas City Chiefs have not locked up the number one seed in the NFC, but it does, it does seem like a matter of time. An impressive win on Sunday Night Football against the Tennessee Titans in the snow. Mike Vrabel not challenging against Aaron Jones, whatever, whatever, whatever. The Packers are a machine kissed, and I, I think that they I, – I mean this with no disrespect to the Chiefs, and I think you will both maybe agree – I'm more confident in the Packers' ability to get to the Super Bowl than I am the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are by far a better team because we've seen that offense operate at different peaks. But the Packers are just more consistent, whereas the Chiefs can kind of play with fire a little bit. The Packers don't waste any time playing with fire. They just destroy teams from the jump. The only reason I disagree and is actually not really to do with the Chiefs, but the Chiefs' competition. I, if the Bills meet them in the AFC title game, those that's the only team that really, I, I think, would give you some pause whereas the nfc has a lot of contenders and i mean you catch the wrong team and they're playing well i mean we just joked about philip rivers philip rivers managed to beat 
uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And well, so, let's let's play that game. Who's who's an NFC, a non-Packers NFC team that is better than the Buffalo Bills? I would say the New Orleans Saints and potentially the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would give me more pause than the Buffalo Bills. I would disagree. What I about would you? Disagree Chris? on both. Yeah, I mean, Pete, you were a big uh, Bills Mafia guy coming into the season. What happened? What changed your mind? Because it seems like they're figuring it out. They're getting it together at the right time. They got an offense that can score with anybody. Their defense hasn't been uh, the same problem that it had been during certain points in the season. I think they, I th- and I think they have a quarterback that's just absolutely incredible when he's on. So I think they can play with the Chiefs, man. That's. I think the gap again I, I, with, with with Kansas City's tendency to you know that game when you were like a kid you would have like the butter knife at the table and you would like go through the the slits in your hand you know what i'm talking about like when <laughs> when your parents are ordering your your meal at the diner that's what the chiefs do and the bills with josh allen of the of the quarterbacks you mentioned pete the saints and the buccaneers josh allen today is a better quarterback than drew Brees and tom brady i know tom brady was awesome on saturday but i mean the the gap between them is already the thinner one of the green bay and whoever and then when you factor in Josh Allen, and and mostly when you factor in Kansas City's, to your point, ability or lack of ability to take it seriously from the jump, that's that's my concern for them. I mean, maybe I'm getting a little thrown off. I, I agree with you that Josh Allen is playing really well, and I know there's different versions of teams as the year goes on. I saw Josh Allen against the Chiefs, and he didn't have a good game, and he looked overwhelmed. Look at the and, hubris! And he, <laughs> and, he didn't, and, and he didn't look ready for the moment. And you're playing the world champs and a team that is returning pretty much all of their starters from that run. The experience matters in the playoffs. I like Drew Brees, Tom Brady. We don't have to talk about how he's been there before. I don't know if this is the year for Allen. I could be wrong, but they also have to get there too. They're not going to get a week off, and and so we'll see. RJ, I really agree with your take that the Packers are the team that like I trust to go through the NFC and challenge the the Chiefs. That's that's my team that can really take them down. And and good friend of mine, Buck Rising, there in, in Titans Media. He had it right in his column today saying that the Packers, which and this is impressive, the Packers beat the Titans at their own game. The mm-hmm. Packers offense was crazy efficient, not only in the air, but on the ground as well. Like trying to tackle A.J. Dillon in the snow is like trying to tackle like an actual Buffalo. Uh, conversely, they also shut the run game down, which was a mm-hmm. big bugaboo for the Packers early. Derrick Henry carried the ball 11 times on first down for a total of 32 yards. That's not how the Titans win, especially not in that weather, which I do think played a part because the Packers look so much more comfortable sliding around in that stuff. And guess what? The weather is not getting any better this time of year. It's going to be pretty crappy uh, for the next month. So I think the Packers have a really distinct advantage in the NFC, and I think they I think they roll through it. Rodgers' worst game, Tampa Bay Bucks. One game that's an that's an <laughs> outlier. That's a, I yeah. mean, since then, I mean, brother, it's the same team. I mean, that that's my you know, the, if there's any team that should have confidence against Rodgers, who would it be? Sure, but like the Bucks are so inconsistent that right. I can't trust them to, to take down the Packers like that again. Not after they've already done. You think they're going to do that twice in a row to Aaron Rodgers? I, can't. I agree. It was his, I agree it was with his you. bottom three game of his career. I, 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 I was only. I'm not saying that the Packers won't get to the Super Bowl. I was. I like the competition in the NFC more than I do the AFC. That was the whole point of this. On average, I agree with you. Like if we averaged out every playoff team in the NFC, I would agree with that. But I, that's what I think the Bills are the best non-Chiefs Packers team that are in the playoffs. And so assuming Kansas City has to go through that and Kansas City's propensity to make things a lot more dicey than they need to be is why I'm more worried about them. I will also say, I totally agree with you, Pete. I was wrong earlier in the year. Didn't mean to hate on Travis Kelsey. However, Devontae Adams is is the best non-quarterback in the playoffs. 
right now. And so that is a factor as well working in Green Bay's favor. I also, I don't put a lot of stock into this, but the weather, I don't know that we'll get a snow globe game every week, but the game in Tampa was early in the season, however much you want to put into that, humidity, blah, 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 <laughs> versus if if they do meet at Lambeau Field, it's going to be a very different game that I don't think that Tampa Bay can play. I also wanted to add this, Pete, you mentioned the Bills certainly won't get the rest at the Chiefs well. However, we're talking on Monday, this Monday night game against the Patriots is effectively meaningless for them. And so is week 17. Because of the way things have shaken out, sure, they could fight for that two seed, but for what? I mean, there's no more buy associated with that. So the Bills can play this thing a certain way themselves if they want to get healthy, which is a different factor. Well, it's home home field. I mean, you don't want to drop to three and then all of a sudden you're in a, in a matchup with the two and, and then you have to play in, and not in Buffalo. Sure. Granted, it's different in 2020 where there's right. the fan things. I do have a note that I want to share here, and I just happen to love like fun, quirky, weird playoff scenarios. If the Bills beat the Patriots on Monday night, and then they beat the Dolphins next week as the Steelers beat the Browns, the Colts beat the Jags, and the Ravens beat the Bengals, so if you're still with me, then the Bills and Dolphins would play two weeks in a row, which I love. I just love that because you just never see it in the NFL because you could have a scenario where one team plays really well one game and then you play the next week and it's a completely different game. We actually saw that recently. I don't think it was back to back, but wasn't it between the Ravens and the Chargers fairly right. recently where one team just looked completely different the next time and won? I, I, lo- I just love that. Also, for what it's worth, um, it's mandatory, I say this, in 2009, Pete, in week 17, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles, and then one week later in the wildcard round, Donovan McNabb decided to play an air guitar on the way into, <laughs> at, at the time, Cowboys Stadium, and the Cowboys beat them again. Um, so, very Love cool it. moment, certainly for the Cowboys. Uh, the Chicago Bears, we talked about them a minute ago. I really, before we get to our guest, Kiss, just want your thoughts on the Sunday morning report that <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky is playing himself into a job in 2021 look I, I played it cool with robert and whatnot and let him you know speak his piece mitch trubisky is pennies from heaven give give him <laughs> give him another contract in chicago i can't believe people are being fooled by this guy again it's incredible love it pay him all the money in the world i mean really the bears are screwed they're not they're not going to be in a draft position especially if they make the playoffs to go get a quarterback. So, hey, you might as well run it back with that garbage can. I think you got to give him a one-year deal if he'll take it. You I don't have know. To. <laughs> I don't know what else do you you do. I don't know if I would make it more than like 2 years, but I don't know if his camp will take that. I wonder if you're in a weird cousins situation where you end up having to maybe franchise this guy exactly the position you wouldn't have wanted to be if you're Chicago. Right. You know, it. I don't think it's Cousins, Pete. It reminds me of, and he was a savior again uh, this week, amazingly, but of of Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2015 with the New York Jets. Yeah, that's when, a better that's when, a better comparison. When they were on the precipice of the playoffs in that Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker year, and then they brought him back because how do you say no, right. um, even though they missed out, and then everything predictably went bad. I will say, Kiss, I, I, obviously, look, if, if you're the Bears, pay Mitchell Trubisky, that's, that would be really dumb. However... It is impressive on just a basic level that Mitchell Trubisky took his benching, got humbled, came back and has played well. And and not to dwell on this, but that's the factor that's missing with somebody like Carson Wentz, which mm-hmm. really says a lot that Mitchell yep. Trubisky can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go ahead and get to our guest. Robert Schmitz of Windy City Gridiron joins us next right here on Monday Football Monday. Robert, welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show here on Monday Football Monday. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I mean, you got to understand, I've suffered through a six-game losing 
losing streak and somehow the bears are in the seventh seed in the nfc so i'm just riding the roller coaster right now and it, at the moment we're going down which is good in roller coasters it's not good in football and <laughs> and i'm i'm just enjoying the fall I can imagine, man. It's been a wild season for the Bears. It's like not even a tale of two halves. It's a it's a tale of and it's an act in three parts or whatever the case may be. Seriously, the Chicago Bears look they they win forty one to seventeen against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And let's keep it with that singular game for the moment. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but the offense looked a lot more opened up than it than it has in the past. What did you see from them and Mitch Trubisky overall in this one? 100%. I think that's the biggest takeaway that I had. So the Bears have been running, and I mean this as honest as I can say it, what is basically a high school offense over the last three weeks, where they have outside zone running, which is not that difficult, keeps it simple for the offensive line, and play action off of it that runs high, medium, low, reads it's not difficult Trubisky's been hitting the low read a ton that's been getting like 10 yards after catch which is not hard on a quarterback it's not hard on a receiver and honestly it's almost a shame on you for all the defenses that we've played but it's not going to work against above average defenses and that's what people like me have sounded like Johnny Raincloud saying this this is limited this can't work against good defenses well against Jacksonville the Bears started to mix in a ton of smart little wrinkles where for instance on that low medium high they also snuck a wheel route off the like the play side action up the sidelines that Jacksonville just didn't cover for the first three plays of the game Jimmy Graham was wide open and when you can get Jimmy Graham wide open you know it's scheme uh they the bears also had an action i loved this one where the uh the medium route which you know normally comes across the field spun back around on a whirl route and ended up drawing like a 30 yard defensive pass interference the the little things that the bears are doing in this passing game make it look like it's more complicated but it actually might have answers for good defenses that can take things away and at this point maybe just maybe it's going to all come down to player execution against these good defenses and if the bears can run the ball great i mean that's always to be seen when it comes to graduating from some of the worst defenses in the nfl to some of the best but we'll see yeah and the analytics definitely match the eye test as far as the depth of target the yards after the catch and so on and so forth but again opened up in this one we'll see if that sticks depending on where you look the bears now have over a 70 percent chance to make the playoffs what needs to happen for them to get in So if I have understood things correctly, the Rams, who Jared Goff just broke his thumb, have to either beat Arizona and then the Bears are in, or the Bears have to beat the Packers, which, if you remember how things went last time we played them, sounds monumental. It's not impossible for the Bears to make it, but I was really hoping for a Rams win last night so that the Packers would lock up that one seed and maybe might not enter the Chicago game with quite as much fervor. Instead, it looks like Matt Nagy and this new Chicago new look Chicago Bears team are going to be put on trial against some of the best that the NFL has to offer with sort of a winner go home playoff game in front of them and people in Chicago are even talking now about a situation where if the Bears beat the Packers they may play the Packers again and then could beat the Packers in the playoffs and winning not one but two sounds like a lot to me but it, it would be fun it's just it, it's definitely a dicey situation, but I guess I'd much rather be here than an eight-game loss streak at this point. Yeah, 100%. Do you think if they get in that they're serious competitors, or do you see them 
taking an early exit. Are you less excited about that uh, Packers rematch in the playoffs? Which personally, I would be. But how do you feel? You know, if I could, or if I saw this offense and only this offense four weeks ago, I'd have said absolutely. This is everything that we wanted. The Bears are scoring. They may not be able to score as much, but at least their defense will hold. Well, if you've watched the Bears over the last couple of weeks, their defense is starting to flag in a yeah. bad, bad way. And at the mo- or the biggest headline about their game against the Packers. Sure, that Mitch Trubisky came back in. They didn't score that many. And maybe you chalk it up the fact that it was his first game back. I don't know. Let's set that aside for now. It was the fact that the defense got torched. Like, mm-hmm. underline it, capitalize it. They gave up three touchdowns on the first three drives. They're the second most expensive defense in football. And when you pay that much, you're expecting a little more than Aaron Rodgers basically toying with his food. And that can't happen coming up. Have, same thing happened against the Saints. Not quite as bad, but the Taysom Hill and Drew Brees were able to kind of just get whatever they wanted whenever they needed it. And the Bears defense is going to have to return to quote-unquote Chicago form if the Bears want to matter in the play- playoffs it's weird because i can't change the defenses that the bears faced i don't want to asterisk 41 points because michael i don't know if you know this this is the first time the bears have scored 30 plus in four weeks since 1965 Mm. so at some point you say well i'm glad you guys are doing well against the players or against the people in front of you please keep doing that and now chicago is technically an offensively led team and i've never watched one of these before and and you're right i mean you look at that packers game it did look like the defense was a wavering and kind of put up the white flag there after a while but let, let's move on let's keep it with the offense here sure there was a re- report early sunday that just tickled me to death this is from adam schefter saying that those are there are those in the league that believe that mitch trubisky has played himself into a new contract in Chicago to take all the surrounding factors out of it, like draft draft positioning and whatnot, and what they can really do in the draft and free agency. Do you see that being the case in Chicago or is this buyer beware of the highest order? So it's a catch 22, right? Because what I want is for them to pull the quarterback roulette wheel. We talked about this in the pre-show, but I love getting a new quarterback because there's only so many franchise quarterbacks and you need one if you're going to win a Super Bowl. I think Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff in back-to-back years showed great examples of exactly what I'm talking about. But at the same time, the league doesn't tend to agree. There seems to be this middling class of quarterbacks, Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, and I'm sure I could think of others. Goff kind of fits into this window where they're good in specific settings, in very specific environments. In Trubisky's case, it's when he's got three plus seconds to make a one player read or he doesn't have to make a read at all. You laugh, but seriously, if he's got a clean pocket and he knows who he's throwing to, basically can predetermine his action, actually he's pretty accurate, especially if that throws under 20 yards. 15, 20 yards, he starts to flag. 40 yards down the field, he's not very good. But as you can see, the Bears have now broken that 1965 record with this guy under center. So will they want to extend him? I personally hope not. I think the interception in Jacksonville is indicative of what's been his problem for years, which is he starts to lock on to targets and doesn't process the whole field well. And I get it in a play action, two wide receiver, two tight end offense that's mostly predicated on a run game. You can kind of get away with that, but I expect the Saints to be able to take the run away. That's when you have to lean on your quarterback a little more. And I I worry that Trubisky, kind of like Derek Carr, will just not see somebody coming and 
and he almost had a second interception yesterday. I know it sounds like I'm killing a kid who had, I think, three total touchdowns, but it's the Jacksonville defense. You have to take your cues, and that interception rolling right with seven-ish seconds to read the field, and then he just lofted it up straight into like three guys' hands. It's not the kind of thing you want to see from a four-year quarterback, and it's funny, uh, Michael, Rich Gannon chalked it up to inter- or inexperience, at right, one point saying it's it's really just because of his inexperience. This guy's had 50 starts in the NFL. He's plenty experienced. And I think we know who he is. So yeah. if we do extend him, the all I would say to any Chicago fan out there is do not expect him to be an iota better because this is who Trubisky is. And because of that, I'm willing to move on. And I understand there's a lot of emotions or emotions surrounding that. And the fact that the Bears are not in great position to to upgrade because it is harder to upgrade and find a quarterback that's even better than, say, Kirk Cousins. Even so, I think it's still got to be one of the Bears' top priorities. Yeah, I would definitely agree with your thoughts on the matter when it comes to uh, exercising some caution on a small sample size for Trubisky. Again, you don't want to be wandering through that quarterback desert, and Chicago might have to do something drastic. Robert, thank you so much for joining us here on Monday Football Monday, part of the SB Nation NFL show. Let the gentle listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your work, your podcast, man, plug away. Absolutely. So you can find me on Windy City Gridiron. That's Windy City Gridiron, uh, WCG, the SBN affiliate for Chicago Bears on post-game Mondays, usually a Tuesday, Wednesday extra podcast. I've got Bear With Me and Rule of Three running. You can find my YouTube channel, Run Pass Opinion where I break down the Bears games every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Certainly we will be doing that this week. And from there, I mean, just more Bears analysis all over that YouTube channel. Thanks so much, Michael. Going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, boys. Thanks again to Robert Schmitz of Windy City Gridiron. Shout out to Mitchell Trubisky. Shout out to the Chicago Bears. And shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who now hold the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. We'll likely take Trevor Lawrence. He'll love the golf scene down in Duval County. Let's talk (laughs) about the opposite corner of the country, though. The Seattle Seahawks are NFC West champions. Kissed, you and I, we sat here, we say, bro, you know what, bro, you know what, those Seattle Seahawks, they're going to win the NFC West. Somebody else here said, nah, 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 no Miss Lippy. My Los Angeles Rams, mm. they're going all the way through the NFC to the Super Bowl. Pete. Yeah, dude. I, uh, well, I wanted to come on here today and, and simply apologize. And <laughs> it's especially to our day one Monday Football Monday listeners, because I had three real big feelings overcome me this year. Uh, the first was with the Cincinnati Bengals, who I thought were spicy and all of a sudden could push their way into the AFC playoffs. And about two, three weeks later, Joe Burrow hurt for the year. Got behind the Washington football team. Okay, they're still alive. But Alex Smith has had problems with that same leg. After I said this was a superhero movie where he's going to come back, I hope he plays next week. So maybe this one will, will come through for me. But not looking good right now. Looks like it could be the Cowboys division somehow. And the Los Angeles Rams, I mean, they rolled over the New England Patriots. I was inspired. It made my heart come out of my chest on Monday Night Football or whatever it was. might have been Thursday. but It was Thursday, yes. <laughs> I believed in the Rams from that moment on. I said, Cam Akers is cooking. They have, finally have a running back. That's going to unlock McVay and what they like to do with Jared Goff, like their receivers enough. I said, this is the team. This is the complete team. They're going to run their way right to the Super Bowl. They're going to be that hot team. And since then, the wheels have completely fallen off. They're not even going to have Jared Goff next week because of this broken thumb thing. 
and hard to hard to believe that they're going to feel good about this season with with what's trans- transpiring. So, an, an apology to all three fan bases. I, I apologize. <laughs> uh, kissed. You've nailed it, honestly, more than anybody, more than maybe anybody has nailed any take in that Jared Goff's ceiling is, you know, I, I don't want to say beating the Patriots, but Jared Goff's ceiling we've seen operate at a high level. The Chiefs game a few years ago, that Vikings game that was also on Thursday Night Football a few years ago, but his floor is losing to the New York Jets. Hmm. Um, now, the thumb is is an issue that's yeah. you know, aside from skill, uh, but holy crap, the Ram- and the Rams might miss out on the playoffs i mean you know this whole thing could could get wonky yeah and they might have to play their backup what's his name wolford like what who who is this guy the aaf he i think he led the aaf in yardage john wolford and and from what i have gathered he would be the scout team quarterback that would be the scout team guy when there was these dynamic rushing Mm. dual threat quarterbacks so be interesting to see how he does. It looks like the season is going to be right on the square of his shoulders. I mean, I wonder what happens if it looks like, he, you know, like when Nick Mullins was actually like kind of a, you could say that name in San Francisco without getting like rotten vegetables thrown at you. Like, what if he actually looks decent in week 17? Goffs look terrible. He has looked bad, man. Terribly bad. He has been a total, total pumpkin. And I get the thumb is an issue and like, Bless him for the toughness to to play through that because you could see that it was like it was not looking right. And that's really got to affect, you know, how you throw the football. But at the same time, we shouldn't be surprised that this is Jared Goff. We should not at all. And for Seattle, I think this is another false signal. Like Jamal Adams said they have the best defense in the NFL. Okay, so they gave up 17 against the Eagles, 17 against the Giants, three against the Jets, 15 against the Washington football team starting Dwayne Haskins and nine against a broken thumb Jared Goff pumpkin guy. I, man, I don't trust this defense. I think if they go up against the Packers, they get absolutely routed. The offense is not nearly consistent enough. Uh, The NFC West went from being really, really tough to just being like some average Jags, like just another guy, just another It's the Jared Goff of divisions. Right, yeah. So I I, I don't trust this division. I don't trust the Seahawks. I love Russ. I think he's going to be able to turn it up in big moments, but expecting any of these teams just to to not get bounced because – the Seahawks defense fell apart or the Rams offense can't do anything I think is unrealistic the Rams are going to be out of the playoffs they have the Cardinals in essentially a a playoff game next week and and why would you pick the Rams why would you pick the Rams no I agree with y'all all all the way around by the way I don't know how this Rams Cardinals game was not the Sunday night flex because that has that has juice for both teams I get the the backup element but I mean Philadelphia's on a backup, although Jalen Hurts certainly a, a bit of a more rising star. Washington might be on a backup. They might be on Tyler Henneke. So, like, right. nah, it's a lot of bad quarterbacks in Week 17, man. I Henneke agree, I agree with y'all, and so I'll, I'll frame it this way. I think the biggest paper tiger in the playoffs mm. are the Seattle Seahawks. And that pains me to say, because I love Russell Wilson. Uh, but, Kist, I agree with you. that They're, they're really – they're just – rolling through to make the, the 2020 Seattle Seahawks are the 2019 Buffalo Bills just rolling through tomato cans at this point and if the Rams find a way to win next week they will likely be the team that the Seahawks get in the wild card round and so the Seahawks will roll through them as well and there will be all this pomp and circumstance and you know I'm not trying to bag on Russell by any means but about how he's gone to the divisional round this many times whatever and then they'll get destroyed at Lambeau Field just because that's what will happen I'm not a big experience in the regular season 
guy, but it matters in the playoffs. I just think it's another style of game, and I think that helps a guy like Russell Wilson, but it's not going to help if he's going up against another experienced quarterback. So I think we'll see how the matchups play out, but there is, I think, reason to be concerned about Seattle. Their defense is playing better, though. Who's your biggest paper tiger, Pete? The Chicago Bears, who are currently sitting I don't even seven. think they qualify, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but that's fair. What about what about the Miami Dolphins if they start Tua? Oh, that's an interesting I'm... question, and it it is a scenario that we've never seen before in Miami. And Brian Flores is really rewriting the unwritten rules of the NFL, where if yeah. you go to one guy, you can't go back to the other guy, and he's just like, "No, this is my closer." It's like, what are you talking about, Brian? I don't understand. <laughs> By the way, um, I, I have to mention this because Pete got to do the come up. Uh, by the way, the Raiders had a 99.9% win probability after that field goal to go up at the end. That's wild. <laughs> the problem with all of these analytical models is that none of them account for actual magic. 25-23, 19 seconds left in the game. The yeet of the week with Fitzpatrick's face turned completely sideways on a on a face mask penalty and throws it 38 yards in the air to Mac Hollins to get them in position to win the game. This guy is unbelievable. Is there a more likable quarterback in the NFL? Like, I love Fitzpatrick so much, and he's on a contract year, by the way. If the Eagles decide to trade her, uh, decide to trade Wentz, I want it to be Hertz and Fitzpatrick because those are two gentlemen that can handle a, con- a controversy and be professionals about it, in my opinion. I think every fan base has these weird little things, and this is probably something likely only Kansas Cityans care about, but there is so much love for Fitzpatrick in Kansas City. Last year, he got them the number two buy by having that miracle against the New England Patriots, right. and that was a playoff win in the Super Bowl run. And then this year, the hated Raiders, who went into the Chiefs fans' mentions, <laughs> and after they won the Week 5 game, being the only loss over the past year, and now to essentially knock them out of the playoffs with this miracle play. For someone who's never worn a Chiefs uniform, people are ready to induct this guy into the Chiefs <laughs> Hall of Fame. So. I think we have to ask the question. Look, shout out to the Miami Dolphins. Shout out to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Shout out, and shout out to Tua for taking it well, because that's a hard thing to balance. Yeah. But we are staring an 0-3 playoff situation for John Gruden in the face off of his 10-year contract. Guy's about to be 30% of the way through his big deal, no playoff appearances. That's not the, the total thing, because there's, there's a lot that's gone into that. They've had some wonky things happen to them. People were really panicked on John Gruden after year one, obviously all the trades and everything. Are the Raiders a joke, Kissed, or are they are they just unlucky, or are you know are they somewhere in between? Like, what what is the temperature on the Raiders? And, and I mean, because I feel like they they sort of get forgotten, which is kind of amazing for a team that has John Gruden and plays in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's what happens with an average team. I mean, they're they're a pretty bad defense that has a quarterback that is wildly different sometimes. Uh, sometimes for the better when they push the ball down the field, when they decide that they have to boat race with the Kansas City Chiefs. Other times, he's just a regular dude. I mean, those are average teams. He's capable of, of competing with a lot of teams, but never going to be the bill of the ball. And I, I think John Gruden can coach. I think he's an average coach. That's about it. They're they're kind of they're really uninspiring. They're really kind of boring to me. Yeah, I knew that they weren't going to turn to Mariota with the playoffs still in play, but I I almost wished they they would have. And not that I necessarily believe in Mariota, but we talked about it a few weeks ago. Carr is so on the Cousins line to me. Like, right. is he really better than Kirk Cousins? And the Raiders are stuck in this mediocre mud because he is, in a sense, just 
a quarterback. He's a GAG, just a guy. And I, I completely agree. And until they address that position, I mean, we are going to see, I think, the same thing, nine and seven, seven and nine, eight and eight, which is probably what they're going to be this year. And so I, I completely agree. I don't I don't think Carr is it. The Raiders, of course, did lose on Saturday night. Um, but the night before, uh, really the afternoon before Christmas Day, the New Orleans Saints clinched the NFC South to the tune of Alvin Kamara's six touchdowns sure. on the ground. Lots of fantasy owners very happy. Uh, by the way, this did earn our NBA Shoes of the Week award. Shout out to Alvin for the <laughs> red and green cleats playing on Christmas Day. I think that's super cool when you lean into that. I, I think the Saints kind of qualify as a paper tiger. I I, I hate to say that, and but th- this this team has, has had, I mean, so what? You beat the Vikings, you know? And I know I, I caped for Minnesota a lot, but I mean, this this isn't that impressive to me, and, and Drew Brees still doesn't look impressive. I think that what they've done over this stretch of time is impressive. Uh, but and I also think if if this team, this nucleus, does not even make a Super Bowl, that is one of the biggest disappointments in recent NFL history. Yeah, big win over the Vikings, who by the way beat the Green Bay Packers this year. Uh, <laughs> I am just upset with Alvin Kamara for ruining Christmas. Like, why did he do that to me? I was playing in the fantasy playoffs, and here he comes, and you're in the final, right? I mean, fantasy is such a big part of the NFL nowadays, and it really ruined the whole matchup for a lot of people. I mean, three touchdowns is fine. I I think once a player gets three touchdowns, he's out for the the rest of the game. That's what I would have liked to see from the Saints. Running backs don't matter unless you have an elite one or unless you have a, a, a stable where you don't have a good one or a decent one. Alvin Kamara, man. He definitely matters, and he matters a whole lot to a team. They can't push the ball downfield. They don't have a quarterback. It's going to kill them in the playoffs against somebody that can score against them. Most talented roster in the NFL. I said it from week one, saying it now. That's the reason they're in this position without fantastic quarterback play. That's the thing keeping them in games. They are going to get routed by somebody, and it's not going to be pretty. To your point, Kist, about running backs not mattering, Alvin Kamara is awesome, but in his draft, I mean, people were hyped about Leonard Fournette and Christian yeah. McCaffrey. Like Alvin Kamara is literal proof that running backs don't matter, and, and or, or rather, literal proof that you should not spend any level of high resource on a running back. Latavius Murray too behind him. I mean, he had a couple plays in this game, and I'm looking at him like, man, how is this guy not a top running back for a team? I mean, <laughs> they just have two of them, and you're right. I I think they are still somewhat vulnerable. Uh, last thing, guys, before we get out of here and celebrate Week 16, the NFC East is still a mess. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles are the only team eliminated from NFC East contention thanks to the thrashing that the Dallas Cowboys gave them on Sunday afternoon, 37-17, the final score. Uh, The New York Giants lost, obviously, to the Baltimore Ravens. The Washington football team lost to the Carolina Panthers. Here's how it shakes out. If Washington wins, they're in. If Washington loses, which is the last game literally of the season, the winner of the Dallas-New York game from earlier in the day in Week 17 will be your NFC East champion. So uh, with that being said, it's time to predict who we think is going to win the NFC East. So actually, Pete thinks Washington's going to win, right? I assume. No, I, I think there are two options here. Alex plays and Washington wins the NFC East, or Alex does not play and the Dallas Cowboys win the NFC East. And to so me, it's that simple. You've got the Cowboys beating the Giants in, Pete, in Week 17. I do. And I've, got the, I've got the Cowboys beating the Giants, and I think that decides that I think the Cowboys go, no matter who plays, because Alex Smith isn't 100%. 
I think the, I think the Eagles are able to pull that one out. Uh, to much to my frustration, because it's the only thing that does is help the Cowboys and also hurt their draft stock. So, uh, it's lose lose suck suck. Um, I do just as we wrap up, want y'all's take on this, um, because Peter King also wrote about Mike McCarthy and his Football Morning in America, and, and McCarthy opened up about the passing of Marcus Paul. Um, he said that, that that he and Marcus walked into the building that day together, uh, the day that Coach Paul collapsed, and so. I mean, this season has been a lot of hell for a lot of people this year. Um, and this is our last show of 2020, by the way. Mike McCarthy's friend Kevin Green passed away last week. I know you guys talked about him on the Pupcast Kissed. Uh, Kevin Green was on McCarthy's Green Bay Packers staff that won the Super Bowl um, in 2010. And so to get back to football, which is not important in the grand scheme of life, but I do believe this would go a long way, even if the Cowboys get destroyed by the Buccaneers in the wild card round, to say, we lost Dak, we lost this, we lost Tyron, we, we were dealt all this crap. Pete Sweeney was chanting WFT on Monday Woo! Football Monday. I mean, that would be one hell of an accomplishment from Michael McCarthy, I feel like. Yeah, someone has to win each division, and <laughs> this actually... <laughs> This actually is a good segue into a problem I have with the NFL, and I've had it for years. And this year is a perfect example of, I believe the division winner should always get an automatic bid. But the fact that this team is going to host like a 10 or 11, whatever it is, right. is just not cool and shouldn't be in the end. They should be the seventh seed. And I, I go back, going back to your point. I think it would be great for the Cowboys organization, but at the at the end of the day, you're you're still going to be under 500, and there's still going to be a team that's screwed out of the playoffs that's either 500 or better. And I just don't think that that's that's necessarily good for football. Once in a while, it's it's a fun storyline, but it is what it is. Kiss. I mean, I Pete, I think I think I think Pete's right. It's it's a good accomplishment, man. And and Andy Dalton gave you exactly what you wanted, right? Isn't he right? 500 as a starter right now. Isn't that what you want from your backup and with the weapons that they have? And you end up against Michael Jaquette, you know, in, in <laughs> coverage. Yeah, uh, you you should be able to do some things. And good for Dallas, I guess. Like, I can't be that excited about it for obvious reasons. But, yeah, it is an accomplishment for Mike, Marth- Mike McCarthy to have been able to rally to this point after that pretty disastrous start. And you know what? In the case for the Dallas fans, if the WFT does pull this off, that'll make the come deck even sweeter. There you go. That's a great note to end on. Everybody, uh, we'll talk to you next year after the 2020 NFL regular season has come to a close. Next week, we'll discuss all of the playoff matchups, seeds one through seven on both sides, who we think is going to win MVP, and all that jazz. Have a very happy new year. We love you. Thanks for making us a part of your 2020. Make sure to subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show for 2021 and beyond. Leave a rating, write a review, and Michael Kist might hand you a big kiss on your forehead. Thanks a lot. Everybody, we'll see you next year. Go pack, Bill.